You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Hi, this is Bryson Stott, first-round draft pick of the Philadelphia Phillies, and you're listening to the High Hopes Podcast with James Seltzer and Jack Fritz. This is the High Hopes Podcast. High Hopes. It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Philadelphia Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. Yo! is a suck it Boston edition of the High Hopes podcast. Jack, I'm assuming you're all the way back in. Didn't take long, (laughs) (laughs) but I don't know, man. Like I'm in, I'm also like, don't want to be heartbroken again, but I'm also worried about they're going to lose two of three in Miami. Of course. Uh, um, Because anytime I talk myself back into this team, they always let me down every single time. But I saw the bagel boss today, so um, it feels like things are turning around. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, to be completely <laughs> honest. Can I can I start this podcast off with a question? Always, Jack. So, is it a psychopath move to be walking around Old City, Philadelphia with a baseball in my hand? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize... I didn't it's realize. really a weird look, man. It's all right. Like, here's the thing. It's totally acceptable in an office, especially in our office, you know, where it's a sports place. And even in, like, another office, if you're a sales guy or whatever, you can, like, make it seem like a, a thing that helps you think. Like Tom Cruise and a few good men with the baseball bat he carries around. Out in public, it's really weird, man. Because people are probably <laughs> looking at you and being like, that dude's not going to peg me with that baseball, is he? Like, that's weird. Why does he have a baseball in his hand? Right. So I didn't realize how much of a psychopath move it was until I was outside with the baseball. (laughs) And I felt like I had a weapon in my right hand that I could have just started firing at people. Not like felt like you had a weapon in your hand that you could have started firing at people. Is that indicting how good I am at baseball? Are you saying that I throw so hard that it could physically be used as a weapon? Oh, man. I'm I'm saying. Are you finally (laughs) saying that I was good at baseball? (laughs) All right. Oh, man. All right. So the lesson is don't walk around really anywhere randomly with a baseball. It's a weird, kind well, of terrifying look. Well, oh, well, I, that's that's what I was just doing. And I felt like I was in the Wild West. You know, what's really funny is I, I was going to remark at some point to you. I remembered watching a few games and I noticed it and then I, I just never got around to it that whenever they show Nick Pavetta in the bullpen, he's the only guy who always has a baseball in his hand. 100% of the time, he's doing different grips. He's messing around with it. I should have figured, I, like, of course it is. Of course yeah, it we're, is. We're always, we're, we're always I'll, getting better. I'll bet you Nick Pavetta would carry a baseball around Old City like that. Yeah, well, also, he would also have a short temper and just start firing baseballs. <laughs> yeah, he's way more likely to hurt somebody. Yes, yeah, for, for many sure. reasons. All right, let's dive into it because, look, I'm with you too. I mean, it's awesome that they went to Boston and won two games, and we'll get into them, Like, but but two games that this team has 
generally lost this season, those types of games, especially that first game. They, I mean, how many 3-2 games, like knuckle-grabber type games have they won like that? But um, it's also tough because, you know, like you said, Jack, I think it'll be, if they win 2-3 or in Miami, it might be the most surprising thing that'll have happened this season. They just don't, they've done this every time, every time. And especially it feels like the Marlins are the symbol of that because of that three-game loss. You have the sweep at, at home they made it the seven game losing streak and it was just like the lowest of the low and i think we've associated that with them but I, it's 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 tough i want to be back in like we were the other night but now it's also like i think they have to go to miami and win this series and then i will consider being like at least somewhat back in on this team legitimately would you agree yeah, with I- that I just don't want to be hurt again. Like I, <laughs> like I, I really, I really was in. Like I was in, in. Like they were making a run, and and then they went out and and they did the the, the Padre series, and it was just so annoying. It was just so classic. And like they're catching this Marlins team at a good time. Like they they're not obviously they're not a good baseball team, so you can't really say they're not, they're not playing. They're good they're, ba- they're a very bad baseball team. They they have the worst record in the National League by a lot. Yeah, I mean, well, they have, uh, they have, let's see, three, three wins in August. It is going to be August twenty third on Friday. Um, four wins, four wins in August. Sorry, 45 I don't want to five and eighty on the season. Oh, they're Derek. horrible. Like, like they're just... twenty two games out of a playoff spot but, right but now the... in the in the National League, where it seems like everyone's in in contention for a playoff spot. But the Phillies all the, this Phillies team loses this series. Of course. That's... That's why, like, if they, I know it's the Marlins, and I know it sounds ridiculous to say, like, like they lose this series. But if you follow this Phillies team this year, they lose this series. They they have they have lost this series all year. They have lost every series in which they can start building some momentum and and get back into a legitimate playoff run. Well, they're already in a legitimate playoff. Like they're in a playoff run right now. But like they they lose this series and they don't capitalize on an opportunity. They have to. They have to win this series, or I'd rather sweep the series. Sweep, yeah, but win the series. Come back home, play against the Pirates, and then they have a really, really tough September. Um, and it's 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 a September that is going to be definitely make or break. Um, but it's just it, it, I'm I'm nervous heading into this Miami Marlins series. I know that sounds crazy to talk about a team as bad as the Marlins, but I am legitimately nervous. Um, that this team is gonna is gonna hurt my hurt us again, but uh, I'm hoping. Think, Jack, yeah, high hopes. Well, medium hopes. Jack, I don't think there is a Phillies fan out there who would tell you they feel confident about this series. I don't know how you could. It's like you just said. This is exactly what this team has done all year long. They've given us shreds and and nibbles of hope, and then they just lose a series to the Marlins, or you know. Crab the bet against, you know, the White Sox. I mean, it's just what they've done all year. The Padres, like, it's, it's, I, I totally agree with you that not only is it, it's absurd to be worried about heading into a phase of 45 and 80 team that is given up on the season. Like you said, three wins in August, they are just, and on top of that, an, a really bad team earlier in the season, they had, had some pretty good pitching that has really started to fade. The Phillies, and we'll, we'll look at later who they're facing, but the, the, they are not facing any a, a murderer's row of pitching in Miami this weekend. Um, it's the kind of series where we are all nervous because of how, how it's played out all season long, but 
Like, if this is a playoff team at all, they have to win this series, and they honestly should sweep this series, but they have to win this series to have any, not just a chance, a realistic chance in the standings, but more a realistic chance in in the eyes of not just the fan base, but just baseball. Like, look at them. They're not a playoff team. If they can't go into Miami with the stakes being what they are with, what, 36 games left on the season, I mean, y- you have to win this series. Yeah, and you know what's weird is that I was driving into work today and I was listening to the midday show. Uh, and shout hey, out to Joe, shout out to Joe to camera. Yeah, uh, um, just like going through a, a super tough time right now, and and he killed it his first show back. He uh, went, dude. He he was so impressive. He just was was so composed and handled it so well. I couldn't believe it. I was really impressed. Yeah, and just listening to him talk about the Phillies, like it got to me. To, it got me to a point where like he's right. Like we're we're legitimately a week away from us being. I feel like we're gonna be dialed in on the Phillies every single night because they're in it. Like. You can't not be in on a Phillies team when you're when you're in it. Like, and if they're going to be a game and a half out all of September, like we're going to be locked in. I know a lot of people said, "Oh, well, we're going to be bitching about a team until the end of the season." I feel like that's not going to happen. I feel like the tides are going to turn. I feel like Phillies fans are going to get behind this team. And if they're if they're a game out heading into September with a Bryce Harper hot streak, which is which is here here, he's got a thousand twenty nine OPS in in August. Like the 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 Bryce Harper best August of Bryce Harper's career is happening right now for the Philadelphia Phillies. So I just think that I think we're a good Marlins series, a good Pirate series away from this like the Phillies being a relevant September talking point because they're going to be in it. Like they're going to be in it until the end because of how the National League is playing out right now and because they're just not going to go away. Uh, and uh, and that honestly, honestly, it excites me no matter how frustrating the team has been, no matter how how incompetent they've looked at times, like them actually being in a play, a chance to make the playoffs is going to make the city excited and and that's that's how important this weekend is against the Marlins. Dude, uh, look, I'm watching Rockies Cardinals right now on my second TV. Just yes, I'm in already in terms of that 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 they are in this, and these teams are not very good. None of them are that good. Like from the Cubs on down, even the Nationals that are more talented than the Phillies right now, but they're not a, a unbeatable team or anything like that. And to your point, like if there's one thing right now with the way this team is is you know, kind of playing out the way this season is playing out. If there's one thing that obviously we've talked about what Harper can do for this team in terms of, of winning games and on the field, but in terms of something that can, like you said, have the fan base invested in the last month of the season, they have a pennant race with a Bryce Harper hot streak and Bryce finally, you know, kind of throwing the team on his back and being that, you know, superstar player that we have seen him be many times in Major League Baseball before, but we've been waiting to see here in Philadelphia. It's happening right now, as you said, Jack. I mean, he's having a mammoth August and a lot of big hits, too. I mean, he has been the definition of clutch, again, to go along with continual outstanding defensive play. Where are all the people who said (laughs) he was a a bad defensive right fielder? I I feel like that was a a thing that was talked about, but I'm, I'm... I'm really with you, and and people should be on board. Look, it, the Phillies haven't made the playoffs since 2011. It's a long time. They haven't been relevant since 2011. This will be the first September with real, because last season they weren't like super far out of it when September started, but we all knew the season was over. They weren't good. Well, they, but, they, they were done last year when I went on my honeymoon. They said, Fritz isn't watching, we're done. 
Yeah, I think that sounds fair. <laughs> that sounds that I, I sounds mean, about right. Yeah, I mean, it's coming from you. I think it's yes, it's exactly right. So, I you know, this could be the first September since 2011 where we have real, true, meaningful baseball games. And like you said, all these teams are bad. They they have a they have a real chance to get the wild card if they can get this going again. A Harper hot streak combined with Hoskins potentially turning it around again. Well, that's let's know. not get ahead of ourselves. No, no, no. I'm saying he's not doing it. <laughs> I'm saying it hasn't happened yet. I'm saying like if that can happen, we talked about the importance of that on the last show. But look. Hey, on base six out of 10 times in Boston, all right? But look, I know there's a long way to go with Reese, but as we talked about, he's also someone who can uh, kind of flip things a little bit on a dime and, and turn things around. If he can get going a little bit and Romuto and Segura, like this still can be a really potent offense that can contend with these other also flawed teams that are fighting for that wild card spot. So both wild card spots. So I'm with you, but... Again, it has to happen now. I mean, these are the Marlins and the Pirates. They can't lose these series. It's just, yeah. and, and, and this team has lost these series all season long. Yep. Um, let me ask something. So I would say before, hmm, I would say about two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, you probably would have said that, that Bryce Harper's season was not a success, right? Yeah, I would say uh, probably, uh, yeah, about three weeks ago, I would say that for sure. And now, and now it really like he he it feels like he's had a successful season. I would say like Bryce Harper. I am very happy with where Bryce Harper's at now. I know it comes with this hot streak or whatever, but he's up to twenty seven home runs. He's on pace for thirty five and one seventeen, I think. Um, and like here's it like Bryce Harper is on the hot streak right now. He is doing he is basically doing what we've asked him to do from the standpoint of clutch hits. Put the team on your back for a little bit and and carry them into a playoff run. They, they, he may not carry them to the playoffs, but what Bryce Harper's doing right now is he's, he's keeping them in the hunt. He's coming up with huge hits, playing great defense, and he's the, he is the clutchest hitter in baseball right now. Like he is, he is the he has added the most wins. Um, like him, Yelich, and Trout have added the wins probability added um, at the plate this season, which is massive. And in clutch. High leverage situations, he has the highest. He is the best hitter in baseball. Like he is, he is living up to what we asked for him to do in his first year with in a new city with at the time the biggest contract in baseball history with a with a, a kid on the way. Like I think it's super impressive what he's done. He's gotten booed everywhere he's gone, but for him to be where he's at, I just think is is really really impressive for Bryce Harper. And once again, Harper Lent was worth it, and I'm so happy he's here. Well, obviously, Harper Lent was worth it, but also you didn't even mention moving to a new city, finding a new house to live, you know, uh, a new clubhouse, a new stadium, a new this, a new that. It's all new. It's all different. It's all intense, and there's and so much expectation in a city where we are super intense about our sports. And and it's the first time he's really been asked to be a leader. Like, he is he Yeah, is it's the, the first le- time it's his team. We talked about that a lot. Like, it's his team. Right. So I hope this is not uh, uh, send him into a bad spell. I need Bryce Harper to continue to be hot, um, and I feel like every time I talk positively about him, it goes into the tank. But I, I just, I just, I'm super glad that dude's here, and uh, what he's doing right now is is shades of what Ryan Howard used to do for Philly's teams in the second half. You really feel like you have magical powers. It's very, it's an interesting case study. I feel like I have magical powers. Every time you talk about Harper, he goes bad.
Well, no, every time I talk about anyone positively on the Phillies, they go bad. <laughs> so that's that's the power that I do have. It's it's a it's an annoying power. I want to be po- I would I want to I w- I just want to be cocky about this team. And they haven't let me be cocky about this team. But um, now we're going to the Marlins series, and we'll see what happens. So well. Well, let's quickly look back because if uh, starting with if there's one person, you know, we, we've all talked about Harper and the importance he has. But I think the other person you would absolutely say is the most important person to this team's winning down the stretch. And the person who you feel most confident in, as much as we love this Harper odd streak and how great he's been and and all that. Aaron Nola is back to being Ace Nola, back to being, you know, the the exact guy we saw last season. We got to see Fenway Nola again, Jack, and uh. also going to pitch every fifth day. What do you think about, obviously, Fenway Nola, you'd geek out, but also the, the, and I, the plan to pitch Nola every fifth day for the rest of the season? Well, I mean, they, they, they have it's to a pitch. must. Yeah. I, I can't believe this is even a thing. You know, it's just like, a, a, again, unless there's some sort of health Thing that they're worried about or whatever, you have to pitch him every fifth day, especially because it lines up for the last day of the season. But it's just like, I feel like no matter what, we're going to get that guy bringing it for the rest of the season. Yeah, I just feel like they have to win every single start that Nair Nola has mm-hmm. from, from here on out, which is pressure. I mean, that's like, like imagine, <laughs> imagine going out there pitching, knowing that you have to win Every single start you make. It's like or, a playoff start every time. It's like yeah. you're pitching a, a, a one game wild card game every single time. It's, it's literally it's it's literally going to be 08 CC. Like it's not gonna be it's not gonna be three days rest like what CC was doing, but it's gonna be CC on pause. Was, that was nuts. Oh, that it was, was insane. insane. We'll never see that again. Um but Aaron Nola, he's still pitching when you think about it. Yeah. Well Aaron Nola is gonna have to do the same kind of thing um for this team. And and see the thing that I, I I was watching the start against the Red Sox and like Fenway Nola is just a, a beautiful thing to watch. And I, I was just saying to myself, Aaron Nola is one of the best big game pitchers in the sport. And I think he could be the next, like next guy that you want on the mound when you need a win in the game. And it just, I, I just, I want to see what it looks like in a playoff series. Like I was, I was already getting upset that this team was going to miss the playoffs and we we weren't going to be able to see playoff Nola because I I think he could be I think he could be one of the best big game pitchers in the sport and when he pitches in Boston and he pitches like he does in Boston it just it just confirms my belief in that because when the lights are the brightest and the lights are shining the brightest and he's on the biggest stage in in one of the most historic ballparks in the country and he goes out and continues to show out and continues to just dominate a Red Sox team with they had five guys in their lineup batting over 300. It's insane. Is that is that possible for this Phillies team? Um, Dude, it's insane. They're batting yeah. th- over 300 as a team in August. Like, yeah. what the hell's that? Yeah, and they're like not even close to the playoffs. Like, no, I know it's insane. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're run difference is what like plus 91, and the Phillies is is like minus 30. Um, yeah, buddy, not great. Uh, but I just the dude is an absolute stud and. Uh, the the first couple of months, I feel like a lot of that was attributed to to the 200 plus innings last year. Now he's finally calmed down. He's starting to use his fastball. His fastball location is back, and he's just he's getting he's back to what he was last year. Just every single time out, a stud, and maybe he had to get used to the balls. Maybe the balls are a little bit different. I don't know, but uh, he's he is very 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 much back. Yeah, it's it's so awesome to see because. 
we talked about a lot, obviously, early on when he was struggling, but the fact that coming into the season, he was the one thing we felt like we could really count on. And we were like, Noel will be fine. Everything else will figure everything else out, but Noel will be fine. Yeah. And when he wasn't to start the season, it was really unnerving. It, it's just, it, it's like a big sigh of relief seeing him just be this consistent, this dominant, exactly the guy we, we want and need him to be. Um, Smiley, uh, game two, obviously in Boston. Not as great, Jack. <laughs> no. Not as great. Yeah, his his look, his command is just gone. Like, um, the, the thing that was making him a serviceable pitcher when he came up with the Phillies or came or started off with the Phillies was that he could throw three pitches wherever he wanted and and guys but and guys weren't able to to get a good read on him. But now it's just like it's not there anymore. Like the, the location's gone, he's missing all over the place. And I, he's just, I mean, I don't know. I think he can get it back. And I think he, I think he can give them some solid starts down the stretch. But, like, you just have no idea what you're getting out of anyone in that rotation anymore. Like, I think, like, Vince Velasquez is probably the number two right now. Or, no, Jason Vargas. Well, Vargas is. I mean, and, and it, that is, it's crazy to think about. But no question, Jason Vargas is the number two. If yeah. Aaron Nola has to pitch the last day of the season as lined up for the Phillies to get into the playoffs... To get into a one-game wild card, Jason Vargas yeah. will be the Phillies' starting pitcher in that game. Think about that. How yep. crazy is that? Potentially against Max Scherzer. Like, cool. That's fine. Cool. I'll take. I'll take. I'll take eighty-one, eighty-one mile an hour fastball. Oh my god! But like, hey man, I if they're in that scenario, I, no, it's all good. I, I'm. Just, it's just crazy to think about the fact that this team that's competing for a playoffs, but Jason Vargas is their clear number two. Yep, he 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 one hundred percent is. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And I I honestly feel confident every time he goes out there. I do too. I do too. I feel like six innings, two runs. Uh, that's what I'll get, and I'm I'm good with that. And which leads me also to let quickly let uh, I mean, how are Mike Morin and Jared Hughes and. Blake Parker and how are these guys getting big outs? How is this happening? I mean, for Fun the most sack. part, the, these guys, I mean, for the most part, these scrap heap waiver wire pickups are not only getting big outs, but pitching in high leverage situations and getting big outs, along with stud Jose Alvarez. And I mean, it's just I think that 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 is the way this bullpen is pitching right now, and it's also something that I think we're probably almost afraid to talk about because. It feels like it could fall apart any second because why shouldn't it fall apart any second? But it has been one of the most under-talked about but crucial things to this team even staying in it. They've pitched really well with a lot of these guys in big spots. The uh, Jose Alvarez has a 1.04 ERA since June 1st. So That's my guy. <laughs> never, my guy. I never doubted Jose Alvarez. Mm-hmm. So I, I've long been touting Jose. <laughs> yeah. My boy. Um, they officially have won the Luis Garcia. <laughs> oh my God! They, they, yeah, by a mile, <laughs> as we thought they did in the moment. Yeah, that's fair. true. That's true. It just we 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 worried about it a little bit early on, but yeah, I don't, you're right. I I don't want to trash the bullpen because they their their overall numbers are good. Like they, they I think they have a the third lowest bullpen ERA in the NL since the All Star break. Um, Unbelievable. And here's the thing, they're not good. Like no, like the pitchers in that bullpen are not good. Like they're not, they're just not good. Like there's, there's. I think Jared Hughes is good. I think Jose Alvarez is pretty good. I think Hector Neris is good, and that's pretty much it. Like they, mm-hmm. they, they have Mike Morin, who is somehow getting outs, 
Um, it feels like they, they've lost trust in Pavetta. They probably should have lost trust in Pavetta um, if he's not going to. But, but what a dark day right there. Ah, that, was, that was it's whatever. I, all of all of the listeners were just like, ah, uh, oh, yeah, it's whatever. Right there. We'll, we'll, we'll be okay. Um, if you're not going to look at your fastball, you're never going to. Uh, what, what I took away from the bullpen in, in Boston was was that they was that our second white side again? No. Um, uh, <laughs> dude, uh, I just can't get an image of Nick Pavetta listening to this podcast, walking around Old City with a baseball in his hand and getting so mad that you just bailed on him. Oh, I did. It's, not that, it's not that I bailed on him. It's just that the Phillies have definitely lost faith in him because they, uh, because what they did in Boston was they, they what, what Gabe Kaplan and what Chris Young need um, is guys in the bullpen that will come in and they will throw strikes, and they will they will have good fastball location. And when you look at Jared Hughes, you look at Ranger Suarez, you look at Mike Morin. Um, like Naris is a splitter guy, but the the first three guys I mentioned, like those three guys, will take the ball whenever Jose Alvarez included. They'll take the ball whenever, and they will have good fastball location. Like if you saw how they pitched Mookie all weekend or all all week. It was fastballs in the hands, and he couldn't do anything with it. They 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 neutered Nuki, and they neutered Mookie. They neutered Mookie. <laughs> they, they neutered Mookie. Uh, Devers didn't didn't really do anything, but guys came in. They threw. They made JBJ a star somehow. I don't know well, how though. Only what what is, what is the saying? It's like only uh, uh, like water covers two-thirds of the earth and JBJ covers the rest of it or something? Well, that's actually Gary Maddox, who was originally about Philadelphia Philly Gary Maddox. But now it's JBJ. JBJ JBJ was so frustrating that whole series because he would like turn like the ball was four rows deep and then he just he just make a nice basket grab on every ball. I mean, he's outstanding out there and he gets to balls that that a lot of people can get to almost with ease. He does. He does. But I, I, I I just Gary Maddox. Right. That is that is who that quote is. Well, you you watched him in high school, right? You, You damn millennial. Damn, high hopes listeners will back me on this. Two thirds of the earth is water; the other is covered by Gary Maddox. Yeah, I mean, our old high hopes listeners will will uh, get it. The the my generation, I, I don't know, I don't remember watching Gary Maddox. I mean, what like your high school graduation was the nineteen eighty NLC, NLCS, wasn't it? You are hilarious, by the way. <laughs> yes, let's roll with that. I feel bad for uh, was it Michael Silver or what the one guy from that came to I Hope's night and was older than you and he got mad he is mad every single time that I would make a joke about how old you are even though you're only thirty seven but I'm gonna keep doing it yeah I I, I co-sign it <laughs> I, I I I can handle it um, but <laughs> I happen to know that I'm only thirty seven so well it that's doesn't bother me. that's why you're so pro, pro Josh McCown. Yeah, and I, and again, I yeah, right. And I think the IOPS listeners will back me on Gary Maddox. I I feel confident. Well, I'm sure they will. I just didn't. I never watched Gary Maddox play baseball. I'm sorry. Although I was I was watching Game Five of the 1980 uh, NLCS the other night. At like oh, that's good work by l- you. Like 1:30 in the morning. <laughs> Way to go, man! Way to do the history. That's, I that's couldn't sleep. Right I couldn't sleep, so I was watching some uh, the the some say the greatest baseball game of all time. It's, it's really good work by you, my friend. Yeah, and you were yeah, at the you, you know. were at the drive-through movie the night of that game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 
You are. Yeah, yeah we're good. We're good. Drive-through movie. You do even know what a have you have you been to a drive no. a drive-in movie? <laughs> drive-through movie. All right. No. Um, anything else uh, from anything else from Boston uh, that you wanted to get into? That you uh, any other note bag Boston items? Uh, I would say start it's to look ahead. Pretty embarrassing. The Red Sox fans just letting their ballpark getting taken over by Phillies. I like this take. I agree with you. I mean, Fenway Park was flooded with Phillies fans. Dude, there was a bunch of Let's Go Eagles chants. They won the World Series last year. That's embarrassing. I was told that tickets have to get... I was told that tickets to for Red Sox games were borderline impossible to get, and yet Phillies fans just overtook their stadium. It was, it was embarrassing. Like... Red Sox fans have given up on that team. It's very sad. After a year after they won the World Series. Meanwhile, after they won the World Series, they won 108 games and won the World Series last year. And they're like, eh, screw this crap. I'm done. Yeah. Well, it's just just a sad showing by the by the Red Sox fans. But my main takeaway, my main takeaway from the Boston series was um like I <laughs> I'm very glad that they, they won, but I I I felt more like the Red Sox gave us that series and the Phillies took it. Um, like the ninth inning on Tuesday night was just some of the worst baseball I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, I, oh, um, I mean the Bogarts that is like unforgivable with no outs. I I I mean a rookie shouldn't even make that mistake. That was horrible. Yeah, it was it was absolutely ridiculous, and I, I I don't know, like I can't. I mean, it's so bad. It's so epically bad. It was like, it, and I was sitting there watching, and I was like, "Am I wrong in, in thinking that that is like I was I was so blown away by how dumb of a baseball play that was that yeah. I was questioning if I was wrong." Yeah, wait, so wait, wait, maybe what? What? No, no, it's dumb. It was like it was something that team won a World Series last year. Uh, that no, team that won a guy, World Series. That guy was a big part of it. I mean, he's, well, a, he's, a, he's, and, he's a great player. And this year, he's he's been the best shortstop in the AL. Like he's been a beast. Yeah, he's, he's been awesome. That was a play that my Phillies make. That's not a play yes. that that an Alex yes. Alex Cora genius man. Like imagine if that happened in Philadelphia. It would be. It would have been meltdown city the whole next day oh, of like cut Bogarts. Gabe Kapler's lost the team. <laughs> cut Bogarts. Yeah. Cut, cut our shortstop that's batting like 310 with 25 homers or whatever. Can't win with that guy. Um, oh, God. Can't win with that guy after he won the year. <laughs> yep. <laughs> every, every take is right at some point. I think that's point. exactly what it would be, actually. Yeah, I, so. You nailed it. Like, uh, like that was a, uh, like the, the Red Sox, I feel like Hector Neris was primed to blow that game. And then the the uh, the second night, like when 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 Jared Hughes comes in and saves the season, like where were you and Jared Hughes <laughs> saves the season? Well, a caveat. I think I think it was. I mean, I know Harper's homer put them out, but I think Jared Hughes and Corey Dickerson for like being the first Philly all year to get clutch two out hits to score runs yeah. deserves to be mentioned in saving the season as well. He does. I just, just for that padding. Who knows what Naris would have done if it was a one one run game again? Right. I just. I just. I've seen the Phillies lose that game 16 to nothing a thousand times. Like like I was watching the first couple innings of the game last night and I was like, "Oh, this is going to be this is going to be a blowout." They, they this is a prime blowout. Smiley's all over the place and the base is loaded and it's just they won the games. It was great, but I just I don't think they played so unbelievable that's like riding super high heading into a Marlins series. Like I think the the Red Sox kind of gave them the series. And, um, but 
whatever. I, I digress. Well, I like when you digress. It's good. We should. Let, let's look ahead to this Marlins series because, again, as crazy as it is to say, we're talking about a series against, again, a 45-80 and 80 team in August uh, with a Phillies team that is competing for a playoff spot that we feel incredibly nervous about and is a huge series for how we view this team, which is, I, I don't know if that's ever happened before, but the, the Phillies kind of luck out with the pitching matchups here. You know, they get they get Hector Noessi, at least that's who's scheduled right now, who is horrendous uh, to, tomorrow night in the Friday night game. They get, uh, they miss Caleb Smith. They get Jordan Yamamoto, who has been fine, terrible, I, uh, but has been much worse than he was before. And then Alicia Hernandez, who's also been horrible. I mean, it really is playing out in a situation. Again, a Martin team that's even further out and is closer to looking at the end of the offseason, end of the season and, and being done with this. I'm with you, man. Like they, they should be able to go in here and win. They should be able to sweep. They should, well, yeah. I mean, God forbid. Um, they, but here's the thing: it's like we've seen Jordan Yamamoto shut down the Phillies team, and we've seen the guy who was pitching on Sunday shut down this shut down this Phillies team already this season. Uh, well, that's the point. We've seen so many crabby pitchers right. shut down this team. So, yes, of course. Yeah, and I will say the one the one nice thing is that so the Marlins. Uh, trade away Nick Nick Anderson is his name and he's on the yes. he's on the Rays now and he's he's been like he's been awesome super untouchable uh yeah. like 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 he's been the best reliever trade at the deadline um so they won't have to face him which is good to see uh, well, that's because all the Phillies didn't trade for relievers they just signed them off the scrap heap otherwise that would be the best trade Jack. sign them off the scrap heap and they turned out to be stars I was Nick Anderson. Nick Anderson ain't got nothing on Mike Morin and his sixty-nine mile per hour. It is. It is actually for for I I I hope the case is this is that I hope that that the the Phillies analytics department is starting to get off the ground a little bit and they're starting to notice um uh things in in players that are on the scrap heap or available for very for very little. I hope that is something that is happening. I mean. We we've seen decent examples of this. Smiley for a little bit there. Worst comes to worst, Smiley can be hopefully decent for this Phillies team. Um, Mike Morin has been been unbelievable. Blake Parker's been good. Hughes has been good since he got here. Um, Brad Miller, Logan Morrison, like those for for not making any major moves the deadline, and for as much as I've crushed Glentak and and whatever, good moves, good decent moves that have made this team marginal. I mean Jason Vargas. Another move that, that and, ma- and Corey Dickerson, Corey Dickerson, yeah, Corey Dickerson. For, Corey Dickerson is just a professional hitter. He's just a good hitter. I love like, watching he's just him. Just hit. a good I hitter. I love him. I love watching Corey Dickerson. Nolan hit. Arenado three run home run. Go Rockies. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but bringing guys off the scrap heap basically and and getting stuff out of them is stuff is stuff that good, well run teams do. And I this is a good start. I want to see what they do this off season. And I hope that they are trending in the right direction. But for in-season moves to to get this team where they are, bringing in the guys that they have brought in, and I, I don't know about you, James, but I kind of have a little. This is going to sound very Bill Simmonsy, but uh, Ooh, you know I love that. I know, but is there a little bit of uh, like like no one believed in us bonding factor happening in that bullpen? Ooh. 
a bunch of cast-offs who no one believes in goes to show the world that they have what it takes to win it all. That was I the that was the it's a sports movie. That's uh, a lot of the 08 the 08 bullpen. I mean Scott Air. I love it. Scott Air, JC Romero, Chad Durbin. Yeah. Ryan Madsen had legit stuff though. But yes. <laughs> well, that's that's Pavetta. No, I'm I'm with you. I love it. Look, I I it's the best explanation I've heard for for why these guys went from being on you know rosterable on in bad bullpens for the most part to being superstars here. Like I don't well, let's not, I, look, relax. Okay. Superstars. Relax. Time. They are not super rock stars. <laughs> okay, sure. All-time Philadelphia Philly middle relievers. No, they've been super. really good though. They've been super solid is what I I meant to say and it came out superstars. But they've been super they've been very good here. Yeah, no. Superstars. They have been. It's uh, the the band of brothers and no one believes in us. Uh, all right, quickly, I meant to get to it before we get to the note bag and, and final thoughts, uh, just general thoughts. I joked about it before, but you know, Reese is a mess right now. We know that. But six of 10 in terms of getting on base in the Boston series, uh, you know, hit that one ball pretty hard to left field the double. I mean, that's something. Um, I, wh- I, I personally am happy with him in the leadoff spot. I don't know where else you put him. I think, you know, he sees enough pitches, gets on base that there's merit there and there's no one else who really is a clear, obvious leadoff hitter, but where do you stand on, on the leadoff hitter spot and, and hopes high, medium, low on him kind of turning it around before this well, thing is done? I think, I think leadoff's the only place that you can put him at this point. Like you, you don't want to take him out of the lineup because he does still get on base. Like Even though, uh, well, since he's been in the leadoff spot, he's only batting 158, but he's getting on base at a 370 clip. And I think if you put him in the, in the, in the, in the leadoff position, um, you allow him to get on base in front of Bryce, Real Muto, Dickerson, C- uh, Segura, and and worst case worst worst case scenario is that he's getting on base for those guys, and and he can kind of work his way out of this, and he can like to, to say Reese Hoskins is like a lost hope or he's never gonna figure it out. Like that's just not real. Like he's he's going he's he has way too long a track record he, of success at every level he's been at, including the major league level. He's not just going to start sucking. Like that's not how it works. He's like he's not Don Brown. That's what we said with Bryce Harper when people were freaking out. It's like, look, Bryce Harper has a long track record of of being great in, in major league baseball. Like he's not just all of a sudden at the age of twenty six going to be bad. Right. He's not Don Brown. He's not Michael Franco. Like Reese Hoskins is a legitimate like top 10 first baseman in major league baseball and he is going to figure this out but i think i think for right now letting him kind of figure it out in the you couldn't keep rolling him out there in the four hole and let him continue to kind of kill this team in a way because it it was just pop-ups it was not driving the ball it was too many runners on base and all right and at worst case scenario the leadoff position like you can get on base get guys on for bryce and and the guys in the middle of the lineup and kind of work your way out of it um, and also, if, if the guys at the bottom of the lineup get on, then you can kind of drive them in, work it out, work it out that way. And then if he does start to break out a little bit, then you can start moving back down the lineup. But I, yeah, I mean, I think like almost like if he's not first, he's like sixth or seventh. You know what I mean? Like he can't be in the middle of the lineup right now. No, but I'd rather have him first to get on base. For- I, I'm with you. Right. I'm with you. I agree. So I, I think it's a good move by Gabe Kapler. Uh, I don't understand the everyday freak out of oh my god, 
Reese is in the leadoff spot again. What yeah, are they doing? Like, it's, strange. it's really the only option they have. It's it's just the only option they have. It's it's where this team is at. It's where he's at, and it's it's good work by Gabe Kapler. Yeah, look at that. Um, Gabe doesn't do everything wrong. Um, uh, he doesn't really do. He doesn't really do anything wrong. His player, he's done a nice job tactically and stuff. Yeah, but also again, I, I still have questions about about the you know that we've discussed it, but the Segura stuff we disagreed with. I don't know if he's learned from that. And again, like I don't need him to rip his players, but I need him to start to be a little bit more just realistic with the way he talks to people and talks to media because ultimately no he's never going to be accepted he's ne- and even within that clubhouse like we talk about all the time like players see that stuff and i'm sure they appreciate him taking bullets for them and not throwing them under the bus but there are also players who are going to roll their eyes at some of that stuff and i just think that ultimately there are still question marks about him but i do agree that he's a better manager than than most people uh, the vast majority of people want to give him credit for. I just think that I I I want to believe, and there's a part of me that believes that this team saw how he acted on Sunday after they lost to the Padres, and how how much he defended Reese Hoskins. And I I know we've said that the inauthentic thing, but the authentic Gabe Kapler is a guy that loves his dudes and and believes in his guys and believes in Reese Hoskins and will fight for those guys. And in my in my heart, I want to believe this. I'm not sure I believe it, but there's there's at least a little part of me that the locker room saw how he handled the Reese Hoskins situation on Sunday, and and was like, "Yo, Cap's our guy." And even though I don't think they played great in Boston, and I, I think Boston handed them the series in, in in some ways, there's a part of me that believes that like Cap's got our back, and for the first time, like. It looked like they kind of were really behind Gabe, and they played for Gabe. They they played inspired in Boston. The bullpen five and a third, and like last night, there's a there's a, there's a little glimmer of hope inside of me that believes that they saw how he acted after the Padres series, and while everyone in this town was ripping Gabe Kapler, he was steadfast in his his support of Reese Hoskins, and I hope that is starting to trickle down into the locker room and watching this Boston series was the first time I really believe that they kind of felt it. Who knew that Jack Fritz was such a romantic? Oh, Look at that. Oh, I can get there. Don't let me, don't, I know. don't let me get romantic about the Phillies. If there's one sports team in this I mean, city, that was, uh, the, yeah, that was pretty, uh, you know, listen, you were, you're feeling it there. I, I, like, yeah, gl- it's what I, it's glimmer, what I want to believe. A hope of a chance. It is what I want to believe. And <laughs> I like it. You can create your own narrative. Why not? I, I, I just there was a when I was watching the Boston series, I was like, maybe they respond. Maybe they're finally responding to Gabe Kapler defending them tooth and nail to the media and the insane reaction to the stuff that Gabe Kapler does. The funniest part about this whole Boston series was like there was people calling in and tweeting like, oh, Gabe Kapler had a good series in Boston. The only reason people are saying that is because the bullpen didn't suck. Okay, like the, like the bullpen did their job and Gabe Kapler looks like a good manager. Like, maybe if we gave him some actual talent, we would think that Gabe Calvert is a good manager. Like, he must look at what Aaron Boone does or what Dave Roberts does and just think that this is, like, he is in an insane asylum, given what he has to deal with in this place. <laughs> he has to make Mike Morin, Jose Alvarez, uh, Blake Parker, he has to make all these guys work. Meanwhile, Booney's just throwing out <laughs> Zach Britton, Booney. Adam Odovino. Like hey, he's his guys are savage, Jack. Yeah, Chill out. Right. Oh, just such an unbelievable manager. So I would just like to see what Gabe Kapler does with actual talent. 
I like that. That was quite a rant. All right, uh, notebag or or final thought if you don't have anything in notebag. Um, uh, um, I guess my only notebag thought was that uh, like if you're gonna if you're gonna keep Chris Young as your as your pitching coach and you're gonna believe in Chris Young and you're gonna um expect him to be a core member of this coaching staff going forward, like they have to start bringing in guys that feed into his philosophy in a way. And his, I, I think, I think his philosophy boils down to fastball location and not walking guys. And I know that that should be everyone, um, but you've seen kind of Pavetta pitch his way out of being trusted in that spot because of the fastball location, and they can't trust him. Um, they need to start bringing in guys that can locate their fastball and and just dot it because everything else after a, a well located fastball just works. So. I don't know if that's a Chris Young thought. Um, maybe it's just a, a roster construction thought as a whole. Well, and and again, it all comes down to how much they believe in Chris Young. Obviously, I think the fan base probably believes in Chris Young less than they do. It's a question of how much less. All right, Jack, final thoughts. Uh, yeah, my final thought is this, James, is that I just, I need you. I, we, you and I have never lied to High Hopes listeners. And yes. if you've listened to the Midday Show, the Ooh. the people have have heard you profess this fake Eagles love. <laughs> like whenever there's a side question or a side topic or whatever, you you always go to like the Super Bowl. Like who gives a crap? I would just <laughs> I I just want you to I want you to explain to the high hopes <laughs> listeners. Like yes, stop. This is more of an it's, it's it's an intervention. It's not even a, an admitting. <laughs> Stop with the Eagles thing. Like you are on the highest rated Phillies podcast. I know you're on some Eagles podcast, but your heart is here. Stop being a fraud. Your heart is with high hopes. <laughs> your heart is with the Phillies. And you just you never even bring them up on the midday show. It's whenever you're expressing love, you don't even bring up the 08 team. You bring up the Super Bowl. Like I get it. Like you're you're worried about losing your memory because you're entering into your 40s. <laughs> but the, the the World Series was just 10 years ago. Just just can you just throw a little bit of love towards the Phillies? Like you're supposed to. You're supposed <laughs> oh, to be a Phillies guy. This is a great, great final thought. Um, yes. First of all, it's not like I don't. I'm like the guy on the midday show where Jack and jo, where Joe and John are like, "Oh, we're talking Phillies. Let's go to Seltzer." Because yeah, I'm the Phillies guy. But also, I I can love the Eagles too, and love the fact that the Eagles won a freaking Super Bowl. I'm pretty sure. Well, just because you were yeah, wor- you, just because you were worried about going to your deathbed in a few years without a Super Bowl doesn't mean that's exactly right. <laughs> I, I, I and and I and I freaking love that super bowl with all of my heart Ugh. but I, you're right i should i should it, it, honestly it's it's recency bias it's the first I thing know that pops in my head because it just happened and for what it's worth in our day jobs as you know as much as we want to and granted it's been different this year like the phillies talk has really been hot but like we our job like for the most part we're we not force isn't the right word but like we have to talk eagles more than we talk phillies so it's just more on the top of the mind in that situation, but obviously, I mean, I hopes is my my top dog. I, I don't you know that. I don't think people believe that. I just I hopes is my top dog. You know that. It's my it's my jam. 
<laughs> what can I say? Yeah, it sounded, it's my fave. That sounded weird. It's my fave. It sounded weird. It sounds like you're trying. Jam. Sounds like you're trying I to be love hip. It. No, you don't say that. No, it's my jammy jam, Jack. Come uh, on. Nope. I sure don't. High hopes is my jammy jam. Wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Look at you. All right. Uh, my final thought: just rate and review the podcast. And one last time, thank you to everyone who came out for High Hopes Night. Um, it was it was so cool, and and just the the feedback we've gotten like on Twitter and social media has all been like really awesome and humbling. And um, I actually I did an event tonight at uh, Parks Casino, and I saw the camera guy John who came over to film us singing High Hopes, and he was like, "Yo, Seltzer, it's John from the Phillies game," and it was uh, it was hilarious, and uh, it's awesome. He's a High Hopes listener, so shout out to John. That was super cool. Um, to come over during that. So just uh, 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 just the the thought that, that almost a week later, I'm just still beaming from my hopes night and wanted to thank everyone again. All right, uh, Fritzy, it's been a pleasure, kind of. Go do your job. Um, and uh, we will be back next week after the Phillies. Please take two or three or sweep or whatever. Don't do this to us. Either way, you will hear us on Monday. So fingers crossed. That it's good. Until then, he's Fritz. I'm Seltzer. We'll talk to you later. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.